You're listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. So here we are again. Uh, We only have a couple more weeks through the names of God, and we're going to move into the names of Jesus Uh, God the Son as we move into Advent throughout this series on the names of God I hope you're realizing that God is a God that wants to be known and he reveals his names for the express reason for the express reason of you getting to know him in a deeper way see from the beginning God pursued us when we didn't even pursue him and he, the primary way he reveals himself is through names. So, uh, and, and God's not like us, and we realize that in a hurry. So he uses terms that we understand. Uh, other religions sometimes talk about God in abstract terms, and sometimes I think Christianity doesn't do a great job of this, but God does. Uh, and sometimes uh, people use terms that strike fear in your heart or make you think that you can never relate to God because he's just so different. And we can't see God, but the way that he has made himself known in a real way is the way he relates to us uh, and works and interacts in our lives. And all his names reflect something about who he is and how he works. And the Bible describes us his names in a way that he asks us to use our imagination like poetry, but also in intimate ways like metaphors that we can wrap our head around. Like maybe in the Bible you've seen that God is our fortress and what that brings to mind. Or maybe God is our defender, our protector, our father. And the name of God that we're looking at today is a perfect reflection of God revealing who he is and the depth of that relationship that he has with you. And so the title of the sermon today is Jehovah Shema, uh, the God who is present. And we're going to be looking at several passages around there. If you have your Bibles, you can look up these passages. Uh, But as always, it's printed in the order of worship. Uh, for your convenience, especially today, because we are going to be skipping around for a few different sections here. We're going to be reading from uh, Ezekiel, which is a book of prophecy. We're going to be looking at Exodus, which is talking about the story of Moses. And then we're going to look at the Revelation, which is, as many of you know, a book about the end of the world and the end of times in a lot of ways. So that's how the story ends. So let's read uh, through our verses today. The circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits. And the name of the city from that time on shall be the Lord is there. Let's look at uh, what he talks about, uh, this dialogue between Moses and and, uh, God. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, This is God. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And then he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring this up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight and your people? Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct 
and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And then Moses, Lord said to Moses, this thing that I've spoken to you, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And then the last part, which is from the book of Revelation, it says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father God, give us an, uh, hope, give us enlightenment, give us uh, wisdom from this today. Uh, not just head knowledge, but may it sink deep into our hearts and soul of what you would like to, for us to understand about your name, Jehovah Shema, the God who is present. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Chances are, everyone in this room, at some point in your life, has felt lonely. Uh, not just felt lonely as in, you know, I'm a little sad, I don't have a friend right now. I'm talking about a deep loneliness. However, you might not know if a loved one or you yourself are really suffering from loneliness in, in a deep way because the signs and the symptoms of people being lonely differ from each person. Studies have shown in this day and age, even though we are surrounded by so many people, we have access to more people by way of technology than we ever have. More folks are experiencing loneliness than they ever have in the history of the world. That's just amazing to me. People are suffering from the inability to be able to connect with people in a deeper, more intimate way. Uh, people have a lot of acquaintances, but they don't have any best friend or close friend. Feelings, they have feelings that no one really gets them or what they're about. Feelings like people don't really relate to you in a deep way. Loneliness can be uh, overwhelming feelings of isolation, even when you're at a party surrounded by dozens of people. And those create these negative self-worth and self-doubt issues that we have. And even exhaustion when we even think about having to attend or engaging social activities. Psychologi uh, psychologists in our country right now are describing it as an epidemic. So what's going on with our society? Well, I'm not gonna try to explain uh, or give a pat solution for this because I think there's a number of factors here. But I do know this, that from the history of the world, every human being longs for deep relationships and a community that is authentic and a safe place to be. But more than that, um, the Bible addresses this issue. And the name of God that we're gonna talk about today has everything to do with all these situations that we just described today. So let's look at our name of God today. It's a strange name you've probably never heard of, Jehovah Shema. It's not one you talk about very often. It's not seen very often in the Bible. But it means that it's the God that is there or the God that is present. So let's see why we would even propose that this might be the remedy for the isolation and the loneliness in our world and what so many people are experiencing uh, in a deep way. We're gonna look at three points today. We're gonna talk about the God who is there with his people. We're going to talk about the God who's present with his people. And then we're going to talk about the God who dwells with his people. So let's look at, look at this first verse today. It's from Ezekiel. It says, The, the circumference of the city shall be 18,000 cubits, and the name of the city from that time shall be the Lord is there. That's the name of the city. Um, 
Many children grow into adulthood with earthly fathers that may have been absent by way of illness or by way of work or unconcern or separation or even death. Others have fathers that were present with them at home but didn't provide a positive or, or meaningful presence. It's interesting because when most people speak fondly of their fathers, some will describe them as a person that worked hard to put food on the table and provided a sense of security. And they speak fondly of that. But more than that, in most of the time, when people have a great relationship with their father, it's usually in terms of the best as being described as this, the father that was just there for them, that was present with them. There's something in the fact of our fathers, or even our friends, just being present in our lives. And when I say present, no distractions, that they knew they were present in a deep relationship with them. That far supersedes the ability to provide for our families or our fathers doing for her. And this is really what, um, what the prophet Ezekiel is getting at here. See, in the closing chapters, this is at the very end of this book of prophecy in Ezekiel, the prophet is describing what God had given him by way of a vision for the coming restoration of land and a city and a temple, and including all these plans and measurements uh, of the restored city. Now, don't get bogged down in the number 18,000 cubits and all that. He was talking about the span of that. Uh, but the most important part of it is the final words of Ezekiel's book are this, and the name of the city that's going to bring about restoration, the name of the city is, the Lord is there, Jehovah Shema. The name of the city is Jehovah Shema, the God is there, was intended to give them a promise, to give them hope during this time of exile. See, when they gave them these visions, they had been in captive in Babylon for 25 years. And God's people were miserable. And they were longing for their homeland. They were longing to get out of bondage. And they knew that they were in Babylon, it's clear because of their sins and their failures, to follow God faithfully. But God had not forsaken them. He had promised to bring them back from exile and restore them to their native land if they would repent and turn to Him. And the very name of that restored city stands as a promise that they depend on. God is there. But what does that mean? Why would He say the name of the city is God is there? He didn't say, guess what, in the city God is there. He said, the name of the city is God is there. This is what Ezekiel is saying to his people. You're miserable and you've lost everything. And you think that not being captive, not being in bondage, or going back home is going to make you happy. But that's where you're mistaken, what your heart and your soul long for. Instead of all these external circumstances, is the presence of God, the relationship of God in your life. Which brings us to point number two here, the God who is present with his people. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring these people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet I have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor in my sight. Now therefore, I have found favor, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And, he said, and God said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to them, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. He basically saying, If you're not going to be here with us, don't, don't call me to bring your people anywhere, because I know I can't do it. 
For how should it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? It is not in your going with us so that we are distinct, and I and your people from every other people on the face of the earth. And he's just saying this is this is the difference between what separates your nation and all the other nations is that you're there with us. And the Lord said to Moses, It's the very thing I've spoken to you, I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Now, as we have said before, God seems to always reveal the names and the characteristics of who he is within the context of a story. The stories in the Bible help us make sense of God and his ways. And the Bible's full of great stories. And this is a pretty cool one. We're not going to get into all the details today. But you may remember, as we discussed in a previous sermon not too long ago, that God told Moses to confront the most powerful person on the face of the earth at the time, the Pharaoh, when his people were enslaved by the Egyptians. And it was a big deal that Moses was going to be confronting him to say, hey, I just want all your free labor. I want you to let them go, and I'm going to take them with me. But God told Moses to do so, and Moses thought there was no way that the Pharaoh was going to, was going to give up his hold on the, on the uh, Jew, Jewish people. But God promised Moses, if you remember, that he would be right there with him every step of the way. And then it happened through God's intervention. And Moses knew that the only way that it happened is that God was right there with him, standing by his side. Now Moses is facing another challenge, and I can't get into the whole story today. It would take too long, but it's in Exodus uh, chapter 33. If you get a chance to read, go, go read this story. It's a great story. But Exodus chapter 33. Here's why I'm even bringing this passage up. The point is this. Moses is facing and will continue facing the rest of his life challenge after challenge after challenge, just like our own lives. And Moses is at the point where he's realizing God, what you are calling me to do in life and what you are calling me to endure in life is overwhelming and I cannot do it on my own. See, God says to Moses, that's a great place to be. That's where I want you, Moses. And God responds by saying, Moses, you don't get it. Here's what you don't get. You knew I was with you right there when you confronted Pharaoh. I'm not just with you at certain times. I'm not with you during these big challenges. I've always been here with you. I am present with you now, and I always will be. See, we have this idea that God is with us, but only when we do the right things. Or that God is with us only when we call on Him and activate God in some way. It's like you flip a light in your, your house, uh, and you all of a sudden say, Hey, I have electricity now. No, no. The electricity is always there whether you are utilizing it or not, whether you flip the switch or not. See, in your darkest days of your life, and some of, some people here recently in our church have come are, are, are part of some dark times. Here's what you got to realize, that God is with you whether you acknowledge Him or not. In your greatest successes, whether you acknowledge or thank Him or not, He is there. That's the kind of God He is. He is faithful when you are not faithful. He's not up there waiting for you to do something so he can all of a sudden adopt you as his child. You're already his child. It doesn't change the fact of what you do. He is always your father, and he is always the, the Jehovah Shema. He is the ever-present. He is the father and friend that never leaves your side. Uh, he is the God that will always be there and always will be, uh, who is there and always will be, no matter what. Let's look at the last point. As you know, 
uh, Revelation is how the story ends. So how does the story end in the Bible? Let's look at uh, God who dwells with the people of this last verse. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. And he will dwell with them. Um, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. As you know, this book is talking about the end. How does it end? We dwell with God. He dwells with us. And unlike today, when we're out of sync with God so many times, it's going to be in perfect harmony. And maybe uh, the father and friend that we always wanted, the father and friend that we didn't know what we needed, you're going to experience that living together, happy and content, and never lonely for all eternity. See, the city and the temple that Ezekiel talked about, it never came a literal reality in his day. That people began to realize he's not just pointing in that day, but he's pointing way in the future. God did restore his people and the city, and temples were rebuilt, but never on the grand scale that was, in, in, that was talked about here. So what does that mean for us today? It means this. Wherever we are, whatever our circumstances, whatever our need, God is there. He is the Jehovah Shammah. But it's even better than that. Think about this one. Where is God? In outer space? Is he in heaven? Well, yes and no. He's everywhere. This is the idea of an ever-present God. God is above. God is below. And more importantly, he is not far off ever in that. He is always right there with me. In fact, the Bible says he even dwells in our hearts in a mysterious way, but in a comforting way. Look at the order of worship uh, quote today at the very beginning. Then we'll kind of end on that. Um, Look what it says there. It says, what a marvelous truth. God wants to indwell his people in such a way that Jehovah Shema is not just out there, not just in relationship with us, but he wants to be seen. He would be seen in us. This is the point of Paul's declaration in 1 Corinthians 3, 16. Do you not know that the Spirit of God dwells in you? We're partakers in this. This is how close God is. A part of God who, who He is. The peace that we need, the joy that we need, the, 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 the comfort that we need could not be loneliness. It's not something we work up inside of us. You can't work up feelings that will overcome the darkness of your heart and the things that will come your way. You can't just work them up. But it's God in you, the Spirit of God, that brings about uh, that transformation through His indwelling in us. So here's the conclusion today. The God that was with Ezekiel the prophet thousands and thousands of years ago, that was with Moses even before that, and his chosen people, that was with John when he got this vision in Revelation, he is just as real and just as powerful with you as the Jehovah Shema that he was with them today. And God sent his son as a tangible, visible reminder in flesh and blood that he would come to his people, he would be with his people, and that he would always be dwelling among his people. And the promise of God that he would never leave our, our side in a time of need. Jesus is a friend that embodied this, where he laid down his life. He became isolated so we don't have to be lonely anymore. He gave up everything so we can have it all when it comes to relationships. Contemplate that today. Meditate on that day. 
and experience that as we come to the table and experience the real presence of God as he invites us to today. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for today. Uh, Lord, we're just, um, many of us are so lonely, we don't even know we are. As I've heard so many people in our church say before, um, I just feel like an orphan, and I feel like I have a family. Uh, or uh, that I didn't know I needed communion until I actually had it. Um, and so we, our, our affections and our souls are so disordered, we isolate ourselves. Just by way of pride, by way of just not wanting to be vulnerable with people, uh, but sometimes just not wanting to mess with it. But it ends up uh, being a situation where we have these deep moments. Lord, would you help us to take this to you today, bring it to you? Will you help us to receive this truth that you are the Jehovah Shema, the God who is here, God who is there? The God who is present in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.